Well, we'll turn to Deuteronomy chapter 10 again, and we're going to read a few verses from verse 11. Deuteronomy 10 from verse 11. And the Lord said unto me, Arise, take thy journey before the people, that they may go in and possess the land which I swear unto their fathers to give unto them. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. And behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God, the earth also, with all that therein is. Only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people, as it is this day. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. He doth execute the judgment of the fatherless and widow, and loveth the stranger in giving him food and raiment. Love ye therefore the stranger, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. And we'll stop there, and we'll have a look at that passage later. Just a few uh, notes I want to say. There's a man called Roger Oakland who has written a book, Faith Undone. A very good book. And he made some comments in that book which I would just like to uh, note. From his book called Faith Undone. The first thing he says about the emerging church, it promotes a plan to establish the kingdom of God here on planet Earth. The second, he said, the purpose-driven movement under the leadership of Rick Warren has a goal to establish the kingdom of God here on Earth. Third, he says, the charismatic signs and wonders movement promotes the idea that a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit will play a major role in establishing the kingdom of God here on planet Earth. Remember all that talk years ago about March for Jesus, all the razzmatazz. We don't hear much about that these days. It's all faded into the, into the distant past. They've moved on to some other popular thing. The fourth thing he said was the Roman Catholic Church promotes the view that the kingdom of God will be established here on planet Earth by the Eucharistic reign of Jesus. The claim is that a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, called the Second Pentecost, will sweep the world and point people to the Eucharistic Jesus. This Eucharistic Jesus, that requires a priest, can be worshipped and adored in a monstrous place on Roman Catholic altars in Roman Catholic churches around the world. The fifth thing, he talks about the Marian apparitional messages. 
they're claiming that a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit is about to occur and all religions will be united and the kingdom of God will be established on planet earth see the strong delusions that is foretold in 2nd Thessalonians chapter 2 is now underway and the doctrines of demons that Paul warned us about in 1st Timothy 4 verse 1 are being made manifest and we should be able to understand these things that are happening in the light of the word of God for those of us who will pay attention people will believe anything these days strange Uh, recently in the White House they had what was known as the 7th Iftar Muslim celebration dinner in the White House President Bush was interviewed by Al Arabia television and the, the entire interview was on the White House website but here are some facts revealing facts from that the president said I believe in an almighty God and I believe that all the world whether they be Muslim Christian or any other religion prays to the same God that's what I believe I believe that Islam is a great religion that preaches peace so there you are Uh, then he was asked a question are you a man of war as some try to describe you Mr. President oh no no I believe the actions we have taken will make it more likely peace happens now remember we got attacked you see I believe there is a universal God I believe the God that the Muslim prays to is the same God that I pray to I believe in that universality so much for a born again George Bush but you know we can't blame George Bush for for all this when we see what's happening in churches we have all these beautiful cathedrals in America and here in Britain uh, built long ago to honour God and for the worship of the true God by wonderful men like Archbishop Cranmer and others but they have welcomed into their churches the world's pantheon of deities occult rituals have spread the twisted message of the biblical God that God is only one among a multitude of equal gods spirits, forces and things called ascended masters and while their respective bishops have turned a blind eye to the pagan intrusion in California there's a a bishop William Swing he's gone a step further in 1996 he founded a thing called the United Religions Initiative and this is very interesting It's a global organization designed to bring all religions together to dialogue and seek common ground. And he says you can sort of base it on the same idea as the United Nations, where you have the General Assembly and the Security Council. The leader of a United Religions worship service, listen to what he said. Lift us up to the level of the universal. Chant the names of the gods start with Om Om Krishna, Om Buddha and so on then 
there's a man called Don Frew who's the National Interfaith representative of this organization started by this Bishop William Swing here's what he said a highlight for me of the service obviously was being asked to perform a traditional Wiccan foundation blessing in the closing ceremony I specifically invoked Hecate and Hermes by name and Bishop Swing was right there in the middle raising his hands in invocation with the rest of the circle we indeed have come a long way we certainly have Right Reverend David Young at one time Bishop of Ripon and Leeds is the patron of that organisation in the United Kingdom I don't know whether you were listening to the radio this morning but there's a, a weekend and goes on into Monday and Tuesday I think in Naples this weekend and the Pope is attending it and it's a follow up to a service which John Paul started way back 21 years ago when he invited to Assisi all the weirdest religions and pagan authorities to meet together for prayer and this is all happening again now in Naples uh, and Rowan Williams is there amongst all the rest of them it's, it's just weird the Bible says have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather expose them expose them so much for all that let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 10 and we have read from verse 11 to 22 look at verse 11 and the Lord said unto me arise take thy journey before the people and the Lord said unto me this is Moses speaking take your journey sometimes I think we are in some ways envious of Moses the Lord said unto me Moses said and we say oh how blessed Moses was the Lord gave him direct and immediate instructions not like us today we think that we are left in some way to try and sort out God's plan for our lives by ourselves Moses was so fortunate we think a pillar of cloud by day and a fire by night to guide them through the wilderness when it stopped they stopped when it moved they moved all, all so definite no room for any error God says arise take your journey so they arose and took their journey the secret for Moses and his life of course was his total submission to the will and purpose of God in his life that, that's the secret of it all and because of that Moses lived by faith he's one of those people in Hebrews by faith Moses unlike many of us today when God placed Moses in say Kadesh Barnea he did not question it God had put him there until they moved off 
Remember we had a woman in our fellowship years ago and she believed that God had brought her and her husband to Cornwall. She'd been here years. But she still was praying and asking God if it was the right move. It's sad. Moses was so unlike so many of us today. We want to serve God with one foot in the world. That's the trouble. We want to be a little bit in the world and a little bit serving God. Well, you see, Moses there again had the advantage. He couldn't do that. He couldn't have one foot in Egypt and one foot elsewhere. He had to get out of Egypt. His walk had to be very practical. He had put all the wealth and the riches of Egypt behind him. He had yielded to the will of God that day at the burning bush. He realized that he was in the presence of God. And he had been willing to live his life dependent on God alone. For food, for clothes, for daily guidance, for everything. As they went through that wilderness, he was dependent on God for everything in a place where there was nothing. He could go along with the psalmist. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 62 verse 5, My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. psalmist was talking to himself people say it's a sign of madness it's only a sign of madness when you answer yourself apparently but he was talking to himself my soul wait thou only upon God we need to give ourselves a good talking to sometimes to remind ourselves where our peace and our confidence lies my soul wait thou only upon God many of us say I wait upon God but our expectation is not only from God it's from our fellow man we claim to live by faith our expectation is from God but as soon as we move from the ground of faith and put our confidence in our fellow man even in the smallest way We have moved the goalposts and we can no longer claim that we are living, waiting only upon God. We are concerned by so many things in this material world. We rush on ahead of God when we are told to wait only upon Him. We're like a little dog. We take a little dog out for a walk and we let it off the lead. It's chasing imaginary rabbits. It's running after cats. It's getting into fights. It's frightened by noise and traffic. It's wasting energy and time. And all because why it doesn't wait on its master and follow him closely. We're like little dogs in our Christian walk. We're not waiting only upon God. You know, I was thinking about this. My ground for hope is solely upon God, is it? Like the hymn we sing so often, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust 
the sweetest frame but wholly trust in Jesus name <coughs> when darkness seems to hide his face I rest on his unchanging grace in every high and stormy gale my anchor holds within the veil his oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood when all around my soul gives way he then is all my hope and stay on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand you know I was thinking about Moses standing up there and speaking to this vast crowd and I was thinking of the people in the crowd all the varied people listening to him there was Caleb Caleb who was such a wonderful man one of the the spies who brought back the true message of the land and then there was Joshua a younger man than Moses but he'd been a faithful servant to Moses over the years and he would soon take over the, the mantle of leading these people right into the promised land and you know when that day came God spoke to Joshua and if you go over to Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9 you'll see that it says Joshua 1 verse 9 God speaking to Joshua have not I commanded thee be strong and of a good courage do not be not afraid neither be thou dismayed for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest what a wonderful thing God said a wonderful encouragement this must have been to young Joshua are we sometimes afraid are we anxious are we dismayed when we look around us in this world is the whelming flood lapping on the shore of your life or my life for Joshua here lay the secret of his stability and peace at all times under all circumstances what were they have not I commanded thee God says have not I commanded thee and the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest whithersoever thou goest and it's the same for us we have the authority of God have we do we take the authority of God as the on the ground where we occupy as pilgrims in this wilderness the second thing the assurance of his presence with us as we traverse the ground in this wilderness the authority of the word of God and the assurance of his presence the word of God as the foundation for what we are doing and how we live our lives the light of God's countenance shining upon us when we're doing it 
There's no possibility for you or me to have peace and assurance unless I have these two principles in my life. Moses knew that assurance, and so did Joshua, and so did Paul, and the writers in the New Testament. Romans 5.1 Therefore being justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus and his word. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. We have the assurances I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I am always with you. God's Holy Spirit will abide with us forever. Nevertheless, we must at all times be able to say as a guarantee for our actions and the warrant for the road or the way we are treading this life, thus saith the Lord. Our life must be based on the word of God and his directions. We will never get on in these dark days without the word of God as our authority and the realization, the realization that we have his presence with us as our strength. We live in a time of great confusion in churches as we've been talking about earlier on. At every hand's turn we meet a multitude of conflicting thoughts and ideas. Spiritual sirens, I thought. Oh, these sirens wailing and enticing us to follow their false calls. And thereby making our faith shipwrecked. We see men taking sides and we are encouraged to do the same. We see apparently the best and holiest of men, devoted and intelligent, on opposite sides of the same question, going in opposite directions, each claiming to follow the same Lord, and both away from the clear teaching of Scripture. What do we do? What do we think? How do we react? We need to hear in our innermost being the words, have not I commanded thee? Lo, I am with you always. My soul, wait thou only upon God. For my expectation is from him. I honestly believe that there hasn't been a time, probably in the history of the Church of Jesus Christ, which demands the most direct action from each of us as believers. In relation to God, his word and his truth. We need to stand up for it as I said last Sunday. The church has been tested and the sieve of God's truth is doing its solemn work in our midst. We cannot stand upon another man's faith. We must each show our total faith in God's holy word. It's been shown so clearly... And it's been made so clear whether the faith of those within the churches is based upon man's wisdom or upon the power and wisdom from God. 
that we can be assured, can't we? Isaiah 26 verse 3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace. How? Whose mind is stayed on thee, for he trusteth in thee. We want perfect peace. Our mind has to be stayed on God and his word. And trust him and our expectation must be solely from him. You know when Paul went to meet the, the elders. The last time he saw the elders at Ephesus. They came out to meet him. And he was, he was bidding them uh, his farewell. And he warned them of ravening wolves who would come into the fellowships. He says those that would be from outside and those from inside. And they would seek to destroy the fellowships. What did he do? Who did he commend them to? Did he commend them to something earthly? To some of the other apostles even? To other godly men? To some traditions? To man-made dogmas and creeds? No. Here's what he said. And now brethren, I commend you to God and the word of his grace. Which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. He commended them to the word of God. And that's all we can do. Commend each of us to the word of God. To become proficient in the word of God. Let's not be confused by the varying opinions of men. Which increase day by day. Always something new. By the compromise we see around us at every hand's turn. By factions within the churches. By dogmas which have no foundation in scripture. We should expect these things to come. Paul warned the Ephesians that it was going to happen to them and it's going to happen to us. But listen to the distinct voice of God. Have not I commanded thee? The Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Isn't that wonderful? They were on their way to the promised land. God was fulfilling his long-standing promise that he had made to the fathers before them. And they were on their way. And then, in verse 12, it says, And now Israel, you're on your way to the promised land. I fulfilled my promise that I made to my fa- your fathers. You're on the way. But now, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? God had fulfilled his promise. So this was a good question to them. And it's a good question to us. We have wonderful promises given to us. I noted some of them here. James 1.12 Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. 1 Corinthians 2.9 But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, Neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. James 2.5 
Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? What does our Saviour desire of us? He wants us to love him. And he said in John 14.23 If a man love me he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. What wonderful promises. God Almighty living with us sharing our lives caring for us sharing our emotions this was something no Israelite had ever the privilege of enjoying then it goes on to show what God required of the children of Israel verse 12 To fear the Lord thy God. To fear the Lord thy God. To stand in awe of him. Not many people stand in awe of God. They treat him like a big brother. They had seen the awesomeness of God at Sinai. They had seen the thunders and the lightnings. But you know they had sinned very soon after that. By making a false god in the form of a golden calf. Similar to those gods of the people around them. How prone we are to follow the rest of the world. To lose that holy fear of God. His holiness and his majesty. That's what God wanted them to do. To fear him. To have that awe of him and his holiness and then it says the next thing was to walk in all his ways to walk in all his ways you know it's easy sometimes to walk in some of God's ways the Israelites found that to be so but for us and for them it was a different matter this God desires us to walk in all of his ways all of his ways you know we we look for guidance we wonder what way we'll turn you know in my bedroom when I was a kid uh, there were a couple of things in that bedroom I remember I was thinking about this morning there was a it was obviously a lath and plaster ceiling which had a few cracks in it I used to lie in bed when I was a kid and work out patterns what I thought the cracks looked like and I remember there were, there were old uh, panes of glass, small panes of glass, and it was old glass. Some of them had bits of bubbles on them. And I used to look through and see the distorted view outside of what was outside. And in some ways it annoyed me, in other ways I spent time looking at the distorted view outside. And the other two things that were in the room were two texts. And we should always remember it's a good idea to put texts in children's bedrooms there were two texts one was um, my times are in thine hands 
I never knew really what it meant. But I know now, are my times in God's hands? Have I committed my time into his hands? And the other one was, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. <clears throat> in all thy ways. Didn't say, in some of your ways acknowledge him. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And there's a fairly good chance that he will direct your paths. No. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Are we acknowledging him in all our ways, or only in some of them? And then it goes on to say, and to love him, and to love him. In verse 12, and to love him. I suppose if you were an Israelite, this was probably one of the hardest things that they had to try and grasp. As I said, they had seen his awesome presence at Sinai. They had seen the fire, the lightning. They'd heard the thunder. They were terrified. But now God says, I want you to love me. how could they get around this and the answer is at the end of verse 13 at the end of verse 13 it says I did all these things for thy good I was doing everything as I brought you through the wilderness and all the things that happened to you when I tried to mold you into something beautiful I did it for your good That's just the same reason for you and me today. All that God has done throughout our Christian walk is for our good. The reason why initially the Lord Jesus Christ came to earth was for thy good. To die for us. For our good. To save us from hell and a lost eternity. For our good goes on and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul I was listening to some of those young musicians the other day and I was just amazed how, how wonderful at their skill in playing you know we watch an athlete running I'm amazed at the times I'm envious of how they run. You watch a conjurer doing some tricks. You're amazed at his skill at able to bluff you into to seeing, uh, not to be able to see how he does them. I'm baffled. And then you look behind those tricks, you look behind the playing, you look and see the reason. What was the reason? These people are prepared to spend hours and hours every day practicing the young one young pianist was about 12 the other night and I think he said he spent about 5 hours a day practicing he loved playing the piano and therefore he practiced to become more efficient Paul writing to young Timothy he said fight the good fight the fight of faith lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called 
and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. A soldier has to train in order to be a good soldier. And that was Paul was saying the same example to Timothy. Like as a soldier has to train to be efficient, you as a Christian also has, you have to train. Am I professing a good profession in my life before the world? I'm challenged by that. If I'm not prepared to spend time reading and studying God's word, should I therefore be surprised if I'm not performing well as a Christian in my daily life? We need to get serious. To serve our God with all our heart and with all our soul. And then it goes on to say in uh, verse 12, uh, 13 and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes which I command thee this day for thy good and here's Moses again telling them to keep the commandments of the Lord as we said a few weeks ago you can imagine some of the people in the crowd saying here he goes again all about keeping these commandments but he had to keep on repeating them because they kept breaking them and we have to listen we have to look at God's word we have to remind ourselves what God's word says why? because we keep breaking them they're for our own good all these things John 14:23. what I read, I read it before if a man love me he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him what a wonderful promise if we love him we want to keep his words as we observe we can only fully love our saviour if it says we circumcise our hearts now we spoke about this a few weeks ago and that means to get rid of all that is fleshly in our lives all that is carnal all that will draw us back into the world, get rid of it Demas in the New Testament was a fellow labourer with Paul he worked alongside Paul and when Paul was writing to the Colossians and when he was writing to Philemon he commended Demas to them he sent greetings from him, Paul and from Demas but you know in 2 Timothy we read for Demas hath forsaken me having loved this present world Demas who had worked alongside Paul how could anyone go back after working alongside Paul Demas loved this present world and he forsook Paul went back into the world the Israelites were told hankered after the flesh pots of Egypt how their memories played them up they remembered all the good things the garlic, the feeds they had the great days they had they forgot about all the bad things the taskmasters running around the land looking for straw to make bricks the hard labour 
Satan would ever seek to draw us back into the world. He reminds us of all those allegedly great times we had before we were Christians. But all these pleasures were but for a season. They soon drifted away and left us with an aching heart. In pleasure's broken cisterns I sought to quench my thirst. But blinded by the devil's wiles I knew not they were burst. We must get rid of the Egypt, the worldliness in our lives. As we said at the start, if I could find the verse uh, I had, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And then the remainder of that chapter deals with the wonderful God we worship. And we look at that next week. We'll go on to see how wonderful is this God that the Israelites were worshipping and that we worship. But the thing to remember, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct our paths.